Matthew 22. Actually, I'd planned on a different theme for much of this year. I, you know, it's, I'm constantly praying and as I'm reading different different passages and think, oh, that would be good, and and I mark them down throughout the year. I keep a list of different passages that have stuck out to me or different thoughts that have stuck out to me throughout the year and and pray on it. And uh, it was later in this year, um, though, that I switched. I had one I kind of planned on almost. For most of the year, actually, I was planning on doing for this year, and uh, I won't tell you what it is. We might do it next year. You should never know. Uh, but, um, but this this uh, general theme um, came to my heart, and and uh, started praying more, and and uh, I'll talk about it more in the the sermon and in the afternoon. But just how the Lord really opened my eyes to the need that we had. For 2020, uh, we are one of the few churches that are not doing a vision theme as far as 2020 vision and uh, that kind of thing uh, this year. I know that would have made sense, but um, nonetheless, we're going to look at Love Thy Neighbor here in 2020. We'll look at all the, the details as far as the calendar goes and things like that in the afternoon service. And uh, excited to share with you some different uh, things that are going on uh, this year. We will be adding things throughout the year that are not currently on the calendar. Um, and focusing on different ways that we can love our neighbor as a, as a unit, as a church. Um, we'll add some of those things as the year goes on. Um, but we have a number of things already on the calendar for the year as well and excited about uh, that. Let's read starting in verse 34. It's good to know kind of what's going on in this passage. Um, over the whole chapter, really, there are, there are groups of people, um, the Pharisees in verse 15, the Sadducees in verse 23, and then again the Pharisees in where we're going to start reading in verse 34. They're trying to catch Christ. They're trying to catch him lying. They're trying to catch him um, uh, breaking a law. They're trying to catch him doing something where they can ensnare him, where they can trap him, where they can uh, arrest him, different things like that. They're trying to get him to mess up. So that's what they're asking questions to try to get uh, God to mess up or Christ to mess up. And so we pick up in verse 34 with the Pharisees. And when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, the Sadducees asked a question, God, Christ responded in a way in which the Sadducees didn't have anything left to say. So now they're silent. So now the Pharisees pick back up again where they've already tried in verse 15. They brought another question to him. But in verse 34, uh, now we see the Pharisees and they gathered together. Verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, I think it's funny that it, it points out specifically um, one of these guys, the one that's the lawyer, that's the one that came up with this question. Um, I have lawyer friends, and uh, I always like to make fun of them as much as possible. And I think this verse kind of helps me with that a little bit. Uh, but nonetheless, I don't make fun of my lawyer, but I make fun of all the other ones. Uh, verse 35, then one of them said, which was a lawyer, ask, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? The Lord responded in verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Our focus this year is going to be on verse 39, but today I want us to look at, at both of these commandments that Christ mentions that will help us then understand the importance of the second commandment, uh, which is love thy neighbor as thyself. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. 
You've placed in my heart a vision for this church moving forward, not just through this year, but through the years to come. But God, I pray that you would help us today, that you would help me to present uh, to this church, to our church, uh, the vision that you've placed for us this year. Help us to be united on it. Help us to comprehend it, to understand it, and to gain a burden for it as we move forward throughout the rest of this year. Uh, help me to present it clearly and correctly, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church from day one or, or day minus 47, before we even started, uh, the church was going to have a focus on missions. It was something that uh, me and my wife had determined uh, to set out to do before the church started. And as the church started from day one, we pushed the idea of the importance of of missions within the church and I believe it is a vital part it's a commandment of God within the church to send people throughout the world to spread the gospel in areas that maybe we cannot go and on top of that us personally going as well and doing our part in reaching the world for the gospel our churches I believe done an amazing job when it comes to missions uh, we have supported missionaries uh, from the first year we were a church with just eight people, that's counting children, uh, we supported three missionaries. It was at a small amount, but the Lord allowed us to give, and the Lord allowed us to see the blessings from it. As the church uh, continued on, we were able to add more missionaries. In this past year, our missions giving went up uh, 70% from the year previous. Uh, actually, the year previous had gone down from the year before. And so it was a great blessing to see um, you and, and us as a church together giving towards missions, understanding the importance of it, and sending people to go. And we'll continue to do that this year. Our church is a serving church. Um, we are a church that has, uh, has people, God has given us people that are serving, and they're serving within the church and doing different things and helping and being a part of it. But uh, we are reminded of two important commandments of God here. And the first one is to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love our neighbor. One of the things that I feel like I failed as, a, as the leader of this church, as the pastor of this church, is with the emphasis of missions, I feel like maybe we have missed the ball a little bit when it comes to local. Um, it's not that we haven't done anything. It's not that we have completely ignored our community. And I think we've done more in the last year than maybe we've done previously as well. But uh, the importance of not only reaching the world, but, but the, the great importance of reaching our community for Christ. And I believe that this verse or this commandment that God gives us in verse 39, to love our neighbor as ourself, includes the, uh, the reaching of the community with the gospel. The loving our community so much so that we give them the greatest news possible and the greatest uh, opportunity possible, and that is giving them uh, what God has told them about the gift of God, which is eternal life. And so this year, our focus, we're not going to ignore the world, but our focus is going to be on the community. Um, we're going to spend less time talking about the need around the world and more time talking about the need around us, around the community in which we live, and work, and, and, and I believe we love. Uh, I want us to look, though, at three things this morning that will help us with our theme this year. Number one, I want us to see the great commandment. Uh, the question is asked to Christ, uh, what is the great commandment? The, the most important, the biggest, the, 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 the one that we need to know the most. Earlier in this chapter, they uh, tried to get them when it came to uh, giving to Caesar, tribute to Caesar. 
tried to catch them to, to, uh, in tax evasion. Uh, pay your taxes. It's important. It's the law. Do it. Um, then the Sadducees came in and they began to ask uh, and doubt the resurrection, uh, which of course was still yet to come. Uh, but, uh, but they came in with that. So now the Pharisees come back with, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Trying to catch him here. And so God answers, Christ answers, and he says uh, the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first commandment that was given. It is also the great commandment. On this, everything else falls under. If we don't love God properly, we will not do anything else that we're supposed to correctly. The great commandment is to love the Lord. And he gives us three ways to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. With all our heart, more than anything or any other person, a supreme affection for God with all my heart. There are things that I love with all my heart. I don't know if you're this way or not. I grew up here in the South in Tennessee. And so, uh, uh, bless your heart, you know, that's a common phrase and things like that. But another thing that I grew up hearing a lot of is all my heart. I love you with all my heart. I love that truck with all my heart. <laughs> I love that goat. No, no, I haven't heard that one. Um, anything or anybody, I won't love them any more than what I love God. I love God the most with all my heart. That's a commandment that God gives us. And a lot of times we would say, I love God with all my heart, but our actions, again, don't prove it. We have to, this is a, a choice that we must make. We talked about this a little bit uh, in, in the new year, uh, uh, the last service of the, the old year, I guess. And uh, the idea that it's a decision that I have to make. I am going to do this. I am going to love God more than anybody and more than anything in the world is going to have, God is going to have my supreme affection with all my heart. I'm going to love God. Now, sometimes as spouses, we go, wait a second, you're supposed to love me more. No, actually, no. <laughs> if I love God the way I'm supposed to, I can love my spouse the way I'm supposed to. If I don't love God the way I'm supposed to, I'm not going to love my spouse the way that I'm supposed to. Um, we see, I, well, I'm going to love my family. Yes, you should love your family, but you should love God more than anything else in the world. Any person or anything with all my heart, love God, supreme affection. With all my soul, this gives the idea of a surrendered life, devoted to serve God. I love God with all my heart more than anything else. It's a supreme affection. With all my soul, it's a, it's a surrendered life. It is a dedicated life, devoted to serve God. Because I love God with all my soul, I serve Him. That's how I prove that I love God with all my soul. I do what he wants me to do, and I, I'm surrendered my life to him. And then with all my mind, submitting to God's thoughts over my thoughts. His ways are greater than my ways. He knows more than me. There was a time in my life where I thought I knew everything. <coughs> Before I got married. Uh, uh, but I... I you know, we've all been there. We'll get to that point in our life where we think, I think I'm pretty good. I think I know pretty much everything that I need to know. And uh, parents give advice and we go, well, Dad, I appreciate that advice, but I don't think you understand how it is these days, so I'm not going to listen. Um, there are a lot of memes out there for the pastors these days of the, uh, 
of the person saying, thank you, Pastor, for taking all that time and energy to counsel me. I'm going to ignore everything you say and just do what I wanted to do in the first place. Um, that happens with more than just pastors. It happens a lot with parents and children. It happens a lot with anybody who gives advice. But uh, a lot of times we think, well, I know what I'm doing. And a lot of times when it comes to God's way, we don't see the long term. We don't understand why God's doing what He's doing. Why God's telling me to do this and, and send me here and, and those sorts of things. So instead of, of submitting to God's thoughts, we just uh, stick with our own. And we say, well, God, I love you with all my heart. I'll serve you with all my soul. Uh, but when it comes to this, I don't understand why you're telling me to do this. I don't see how this benefits me. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just keep doing this my way until you tell me the whole story. That's not how God works most of the time. God says go here, and He expects us to go here. He'll give us more clarity down the road sometimes. There are still things that I look back on. There are many things in my life I look back on and go, that's why God did that. There are still other things in my life that I look back on and go, God, are you ever going to tell me why this had to happen? But God says you're supposed to love me with all my heart, with supreme affection, with all your soul, a devoted to serve, and with all my mind submitted to His thoughts over my own thoughts. The Bible says that if we love God, first, or John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It has to be sincere. It's not just the word love. On Wednesday, we used the illustration. We began studying 1 Peter. Well, kind of. We actually were in... Matthew, but we're going to be studying First Peter. And uh, we talked about the illustration. I think it's a good illustration, so I'll give it again. Um, you have a man and a woman at a restaurant, boyfriend and girlfriend. And the man pulls out a box with a ring inside and gets down on one knee and he says, Dear, I love you. Will you marry me? She says yes, and they embrace and slip the ring on her finger. And as they are embracing, a young lady walks by. And the man follows her by. And he turns back to his now fiance and says, it's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Excuse me, I need to go talk to her. The words I love you that he spoke 30 seconds earlier are no longer valid. They probably weren't valid in the first place. You see, so many times with God, we say, God, I love you. Excuse me, I need to go talk to that. God doesn't care what you say if you're not going to follow it with action. Loving God is a sincerity. It is proven by the actions, not just by the words. We can't just say, I love God. You know, in children's church, we grow up singing different songs. Um, uh, with the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. Yet, most of the time at that age, we're not following the book. And that's, I'm not saying it's wrong for kids to sing the songs. But as we get older and understand God more, that's when we begin to grow in relationship with God and we begin to understand our, our need to love, love the Bible more. We understand that there are many things that we say, especially as kids, that we say that, that our teenagers or young Christians or whatever it is, just immature human beings, we say things, but in reality we don't do them. Uh, I can't just say I'm, I'm on a diet. That doesn't do it, <laughs> right? I don't diet. I'm against them. I think they're all bad. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I can't, it just doesn't work. I can't say I'm on a diet and that means I'm on a diet. 
And we're seeing in today's society, we see it come up a lot of times with people who are saying, I'm for this, and they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, I, I was talking with a coworker recently, and we were talking, we were talking politics, and, and uh, he said, well, I know this person, a recently elected official, and, uh, and she's against abortion. And I said, well, she signed a piece of paper that said she was for it. Because in the state of Kentucky, if you're going to be on a certain uh, party, you have to sign that you agree with what the party stands for. And her party says that they are for abortion. And she signed a piece of paper that said she was. He goes, well, you know, sometimes you have to do things that you don't necessarily agree with in order to, to run for office. And I said, well, I understand that. I said, but, you know, you can't say one thing and then do something different. It doesn't, it doesn't back up what, you, what you're saying. See, with God, we say, God, I love you, but yet still it's just words. The first commandment, the great commandment, God says, is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's number one. And if we don't do number one, we're going to have a really hard time doing number two, which is the second commandment that's given to us in verse 38 and verse 39. This is the, uh, verse 39, excuse me, then the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The, the, the word is like unto it means it is similar in importance. God, no doubt, number one, is love the Lord thy God. But he says the second is like unto it. It is not far behind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, the lawyer that asked the question did not ask him what's the second commandment. And he said, Lord, what's the great commandment? And God said, here's the great commandment. By the way, the second is just like it. Very similar. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Christ felt it was important enough to bring this into the conversation, even though it was not part of the question. What is love? Romans 13, 10 says, Love worketh no ill, to his neighbor. Therefore, the fulfilling of law is what love is. Our love is the fulfilling of the law. And, but love worketh no ill toward his neighbor. So if I'm not loving my neighbor, it's going to be pretty obvious. The things that I'm doing are the things that I'm not doing. Verse 39 says to love thy neighbor as thyself. What does that mean? We've talked about it before, but what does it mean to love someone like I love me? I, I joke about it. I, I love me. I do love me. It's not a joke. I, I love me a lot. When we're loving someone like we love ourselves, it means that we are willing to sacrifice for them. Because I'm going to sacrifice for me, right? How do I do that? I usually make other people sacrifice for me. I'm going to be willing to give to them. Because I love them. I give to myself. I think of Christmas presents. I've bought my wife um, a frappuccino maker, a waffle maker. Um, you know, I benefit from those things. Sure, I was given to her, but I sure love me some waffles. So, <laughs> if we love people like we love ourselves, we're willing to sacrifice for them, give to them, but not just that, we're also willing to be sacrificed for them. Meaning, not to just give to them, but give of ourselves for them. 
love your neighbor as yourself, it means that I'm going to take away from me to give to them. I'm going to give of myself so that I can show the right kind of love for them. You know, all obedience begins with love. Nothing can be done uh, right without it. Especially when it comes, if I can use the word religion, that's a scary word, but when it comes to religion, if it's not done in love, it's not being done correctly. Why do I come to church? It ought to be because I love God. Sprinkled in there, it's because I love the people I go to church with. And sprinkled in with that is because I love the other people who aren't at church yet, but I'm trying to get them to come with me. Obedience to God comes with love for God. If I'm not loving God, I'm not going to obey God. I might obey Him in some areas, but I'll never fully obey Him. 1 John 4.20 says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? 1 John's written to Christians. So here when it says brother, it's speaking specifically of Christian brother or sister. And he says, uh, uh, if you don't love your brother, then you don't love God. If you say you love God, but you don't love your brother, then you're a liar. You don't love God because you don't love your brother. He says that um, how can you uh, uh, love God when you can see your brother and you don't love him when you can't see God? You're not going to. Remember with uh, the rich man and Lazarus? Um, there's similarities here. Lazarus goes to um, hell and, uh, uh, and, and he cries out uh, and he says, uh, please send someone to tell my, my relatives so they don't come here. Send someone, raise them from the dead. Was it Moses? I'm sorry, I'm blanking. Uh, send someone, I think it was Moses, I don't remember. And he says, send them to go, to go talk to my family. And, and the response is, you didn't believe the prophets when you were alive. Your relatives aren't going to believe a dead man now. Even if they, they see it. You see, there are times where we say, I love, I love, I love, I love, but nothing proves it. No, no action proves it. And we say we love God, but yet there are people that we're still just bitter and angry towards. And God says, well, you don't love them. And you see their picture scroll past every day on Facebook. You've never seen me in person. You can't claim to love me when you can't even love the people that you see on a regular basis. And again, 1 John specifically is talking about fellow Christians. But God says in Matthew here, and it's again written for us, I think in Luke, I forget. Um, but He says, the second commandment is like unto the first commandment. The one that says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul and all thy mind. The second is like it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This year... 2020, our goal for our church is going to be to love our neighbors more than we've ever loved them before. To show love to our neighbors more than we've ever shown it before. And to show our neighbors Christ's love for them in a way they've never seen it before. And we are going to purposefully reach out to our community. We are going to do things that are going to cause us to sacrifice some of ourself for our community. I can't make you do these things. I won't make you do these things. But I will ask you this. Do you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind? 
understand that Christ says that similar to that command is this one, love thy neighbor as thyself, sacrificially, willing to give, willing to give of yourself. It's an important law. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse number 40, these two commandments, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else follows loving God and loving others. If I don't love God and I don't love others, how am I going to fulfill anything else that God wants me to fulfill? It's just not going to work. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. The word that's going to be used in this passage is charity. We know charity to be the same as love. I'm going to read it as it's written, and I think we understand this, but charity is love. 1 Corinthians 13, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Lots of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. See there? That's important. There's actions involved. I'm feeding the poor. I'm, I'm a, a martyr. But if I didn't do it in love, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long in this kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I, know I am known. And now abideth faith Hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. This passage is written for us to explain the importance of charity, uh, of actually loving, loving people, and loving God as well. It shows us uh, more about love so we can understand more about how God loves us in this passage as well. But, but within this tells us many different things. It starts off by saying, without love, I'm just making noise. It doesn't do any good. And we've talked about this many times. I can feed the poor all I want, but if I don't show them Christ's love, their, their bellies might be filled, but their souls are still headed to hell. It does nobody any good. He goes on and, and, uh, and explains all the different things about love in verses uh, 4 through verse uh, 8, really. 
And then we come back to the end of the, the, the chapter as well, and we see the importance of verse 13, that there is faith and there is hope and there's charity. But of these three things, the most important, the greatest of all is charity. And it goes back to what Christ said in Matthew. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Love thy neighbor as thyself. It doesn't say feed thy neighbor as you feed yourself. It doesn't say uh, motivate your neighbor as you motivate yourself. It doesn't say encourage your neighbor as you encourage yourself. It says love. It's the most important thing. What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is comforting. Love is encouraging. And love never fails. Why is love greater than faith and hope? Well, if you think about it, love has a wider influence. You know, one thing the world understands, the entire world, every single human being in it is love. They understand when they are loved and when they are not. Not everybody in the world understands faith. Not everybody in the world understands hope. But every single human being understands love. Love brings happiness. Love brings um, comfort. Love overcomes hurt. Your co-workers, your family members have yet to experience God's love. When they're hurting, all they need is someone to love them. Your love can overcome that hurt. God's love can overcome it far better than yours can. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world. We looked at it in men's Sunday school this morning at a time where Christ looked out and saw the crowds and had compassion on them. You know why God had compassion on them? It wasn't just general compassion. The Bible goes on to say because He saw them as sheep wandering around without a shepherd. The reason why we don't love people the way we're supposed to is because we know we're supposed to, but we don't understand the purpose behind it. We don't see them as sheep wandering around without a shepherd. We don't see them as souls walking around on the verge of hell. We just see them as the person who doesn't know how to drive. Or the person who won't be quiet. Or the person who's lazy. Or the person who took this from me. Or the person who doesn't deserve this. When Christ saw the crowd, they were in all, I don't think there's a better term for it, they were beggars. Right? The crowds followed Jesus. Why? Because they wanted to see a miracle. I understand that. That, that would be a, a good reason to follow Christ, wouldn't it? When He was on this earth. Because everywhere Christ goes, something neat really uh, happens. The crowd would follow them around looking for miracles. And, and uh, someone would be there to try to be healed. They wanted to be healed. You remember the beggar on the side of the street yelling for Christ and the people telling him to be quiet. He was blind, blind Bartimaeus. Be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And he kept on hollering, he kept on yelling. Why? Because he knew, God, he, maybe he can heal me. He's healed other people. When Christ was walking on this earth, and, and even today, Christ looking down on this earth, he doesn't look at people as beggars, as annoyances, as ew. 
He looks down and he has compassion. Why? Because he sees them as sheep walking around without a shepherd. And we go, well, I, I, I just really struggle to love people. I know I'm supposed to, but I really struggle with it. Well, the reason why is because you have no vision of what the people are. You see them in your mind as beggars, as the needy, as annoyances, as whatever, instead of seeing them as what they are, lost souls who simply need a shepherd. That's how I view them. That's, that's the reason why I don't love them the way I'm supposed to. But understand this, it is a commandment that is given to us. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Everything follows this. I have to love God and I have to love others. How do we do that? We're going to talk about that in the afternoon service to some degree. And we'll continue to build on it as the year goes on as well. But let me ask you this in closing today. Have you loved God lately? How is your love for God? You love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? If you don't, you need to. The new year brings a time of renewal, brings a time of um, commitment for many. It's not hard to look back and go, boy, I sure failed in that area. Well, you're going to continue to fail this year? You will unless you commit and ask God to help you. I, I find it um, in our human brains hard to comprehend sometimes, but in order for me to love God, I have to ask God to help me to love Him. I can't do it on my own. It's a decision that I have to make, but I can't do it in my own strength. I need God's help for it. And so I have to ask God, will you help me? Here's where I, you know where you're struggling. If you don't, just ask God, He'll tell you. God, I know I'm supposed to love you with all my heart, and I struggle because I really love this. And I know that sometimes I put this above my love for you. God, would you help me to put this where it's supposed to be? God, I know I'm supposed to love you with all my soul, but that's really hard for me to do. But God, I want to be devoted to serve you, and I know I struggle with that. Would you help me with this? <coughs> God, I know I'm supposed to love you with all my mind. Supposed to love your thoughts greater than my thoughts. But I'm a really smart person. So I think, God, would you please help me to understand that your ways are better than my ways. That I can love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my mind. And then we come back to loving our neighbor. You will not love your neighbor in your own strength. It is impossible. There are certain people, it's natural, that we like more than others personalities, interests, things like that. You're not going to love your neighbor properly without God's help. We said, Lord, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor and I need your help to do it. You can pray specifically about specific people. God, I have a hard time loving this person because of this. Would you help me to forgive them? Bitterness, resentment hold more Christians up than maybe anything else. God, I can't love this person because I'm holding this grudge against them. Would you please give me victory over that? Help me to love them the way I'm supposed to. 
strangers, our, our neighbors. We'll talk about who our neighbors are in the afternoon service, but, but perfect strangers. God, would you help me to see people the way you see them? Compassionately, caringly, lovingly, the people around me. God, help me. Have you loved your neighbor recently? This year, by God's grace and for God's glory, we will love our neighbors. And I've been begging Him, and I pray that you'll do the same to help us do that. This church will only be what God wants it to be if we love God and we love others. And I believe that we love people. I'm not saying we don't love anybody. But I think we can do a much better job of loving our neighbor. And this year, that's what we're going to do together. Me and you. Let's love our neighbors. Lord, would you help us? We need it. Without you, we are nothing. And with you, all things are possible. You've spelled out very clearly for us multiple times in the Bible the first and the great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. We can do nothing else right if we don't love you the way we're supposed to. God, would you help us? In areas that you've spoken to us this morning in our lives that need to be adjusted, that need to be surrendered or resurrendered to you so that we can love you with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And then, God, as you were on this earth, you were talking with the Pharisees in this situation, you felt it important to bring up, and the second is like unto it, I love thy neighbor as thyself. God, we as a church have, have loved the world. We have given, we have sacrificed, we have prayed for the world. And although we haven't purposefully forgotten our community, Lord, I pray that this year we would purposefully love our community. And we need your help to do it. Help us to love people the way you do, to see people the way you do. And Lord, may in an obedience we follow you in loving our neighbors. Give us wisdom on how to do so. Lord, give us insight and knowledge. But Lord, it starts with loving you. And it's followed by making the decision that I am going to love those around me. So help us to do just that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going I'm to ask for no piano today. Um, just take a moment. I won't ask you to raise your hands. I won't even ask any specific questions. But just take a moment um, at your seat to take care of any issue, anything that God's spoken to you about today. Would you at the very least do this? Would you be willing to commit yourself and this church for God's use to reach our community in this coming year? Would you take a moment to, 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 to talk with God about that? And then I'll close us with prayer in just a minute.
Lord, this church is yours. As we've committed from day one, for you to use the way that you want to use it, today we recommit. We give to you again this church and this group of people that you've brought together to, to make this church. Lord, we present ourselves to you to use us to reach our community. We're thankful for how you've used us in worldwide missions, and we will not forget that. We'll continue to build on that. But God, we pray that you would help us this year, this, this day, this week, this month, this year, to love our neighbors the way that you intended us for, for us to do. So God, we give ourselves to you for your use, and we look forward to giving you the glory for how you bless and use this church and this community, Lexington, surrounding areas, our workplaces, our homes, our neighborhoods. Lord, how you use this church to reach those that we see every single day. God, help us to stay committed to this cause, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We will look more in the afternoon service at some specific things. Um, but like I said, a lot of the specifics are going to come in the days ahead uh, as well. That will help us get to where we need to be. Uh, we'll go ahead and break for lunch. And uh, once everything is set up and ready to go, we'll pray and we will eat. And I'm already excited about the afternoon service, so eat fast. All right, let's get, let's get ready for lunch.